everyone. Welcome to Pigskin Pandemic featuring Kevin, Matt, and Ben. Just three of your everyday guys just giving their opinions on all the latest and upcoming NFL news. Things may get a little steamy or a little wild, but hey, it'll always be unscripted and real. Let's listen in and see what they have to say this week. Welcome to the Pigskin Pandemic. I'm your host, Kevin. And I have Ben and Matt with me this week. Matt is coming back this week. Uh, he was absent one one of our one of our shows, but he is back and uh, full of coffee, ready to roll. And we're going to talk about uh, the, the things that went on. in this is now week number six, and. Some of the scores that went on this week. We're going to talk. We have a different segment this week. We're going to talk about the um, where you stand and how nervous are you with your team. How how much in panic are you? We have identified four or five teams uh, that may ruffle some feathers, may get some anxiety, and we're going to go and talk about that. We're also going to talk about. <clears throat> You know, the the games for this coming Thursday and Sunday. Uh we talked about the odds. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to see uh how we ended up last week, how how much of our picks were on point and how much of our picks were just in the toilet. Um but first we wanna go through Sunday's games. So we're gonna first start off with Chicago and Carolina. Chicago came in at an impressive and a unexpected four and one went to Carolina and beat Carolina 23 to 16. Nick Foles was 23 of 39 for 198, a touchdown in the pick. You had Montgomery had 19 rushes for 58 yards uh, on the Carolina side. Teddy Bridgewater was 16 for 28 for 216 in the pick, no touchdowns and Davis uh, had 18 uh, attempts, rushing attempts for 52 yards. Bridgewater actually had eight rushing attempts for 48 yards. Um, and the high man for the receivers for D, uh, for Carolina was DJ Moore. He had five receptions for 93 yards. We're moving. We're going to go to Baltimore and Philadelphia. This was a game where uh, we – at first, we thought that Baltimore was going to blow the doors off of Philly, but they made it pretty close. Uh, Baltimore did eke out a win at the four uh, at thirty to twenty eight. Lamar Jackson sixteen for twenty seven for one eighty six in a tub. He also had nine nine rushing attempts for one hundred and eight yards. Um, on the Philly side, you had Carson Wentz twenty of thirty nine for one ninety seven and two tubs. Miles Sanders uh, rushed nine times. For 118 yards, um, Fulgham, he's still he's still getting some of the some of the jobs done. Uh, six receptions for 75 yards led the uh, the Eagles in the receiving yards. On the opposite side, you had um, you had Brown with two receptions for 38 yards, which hey, two receptions, 38 yards leads the team. <clears throat> so we're going to move forward on that. Next game, we got Atlanta and Minnesota. Um, I believe that that pick 
we picked the Minnesota Vikings on our last um, on our last uh, show to beat the Falcons. We didn't think that Atlanta had it to do anything to anybody, and they came into Minnesota and they definitely blew the doors off of Minnesota, beating them forty to twenty three. Matt Ryan thirty for forty, three seventy one and four touchdowns. Todd Gurley, and well, he had twenty he had twenty attempts for forty seven yards. Julio Jones had eight receptions for 137. On the Minnesota side, Kirk Cousins, he didn't look all that great. He was 24 of 36 for 343, three tubs and three picks. The running game basically did nothing. Um, And Jefferson had nine receptions for 166 yards and two tubs. Um, I think we did pick Minnesota, so we definitely went wrong on that one. Quick question on that game. How much do you think that this game was the obligatory, we've got a new coach and we're running through a wall for the guy because we like Raheem Morris and we weren't so crazy about Dan Quinn? Or how much do you think this was Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, those guys, you know, uh, Gurley, those three guys saying, we really want to get picked up by a real team? Well, for Julio, he balled out. And Ryan balled out. Yeah. Gurley, Gurley didn't do nothing. And I think what they were trying to do was they was really they were really I mean he had twenty attempts. I mean they did rush the they, they did run the ball mm-hmm. uh thirty five thirty seven times. So it was a it was a really good balance. Forty attempts passing, thirty seven rushing. And so I think that they could capitalize on Minnesota's their secondary isn't all that great. So, you know, you take care of that weakness. You have one of the I still think the, the, the top receiver in the in the National Football League and Julio Jones, you just throw in the ball. And he did. I mean, out of everybody that he threw to, he had the most targets, the most receptions, and the most yards. And so, you know, I just feel like they were I don't think it was more the of the I'm auditioning. I think Matt Ryan and Julio Jones were but not for, so much for Todd Gurley. Well, but do you think this was uh, a, a example of what we're going to see more out of Atlanta? They're going to actually be a competitive team that kind of people thought they would be going into the season? Or do you think that this was a one-week uh, aberration and, and, and you know, going to uh, revert back to you know, being kind of the, the bottom feeders and being back into looking to trade those pieces? But see, this is who we thought Atlanta was supposed to be, right? When you look across the board at that offense, you would really think that Atlanta could put up 40 points every single game. They have, yeah. the, they have the firepower to put up 40 points every game. And when they don't and they, and they lose big or they lose and they can't put up 15 points, it's like, well, what, are you really, what is going on over there? And to be at one and five says to me, that it was coaching, um, not putting your players in the in the in the correct positions to to win, and I think they quit. They quit on Dan Quinn. They, I I think they did. I feel like. What do you think, Matt? I think they quit on Quinn just to get him out of there. I mean, it's possible, but I mean the uh, as for the team, you know whether or not like this was just them playing for a coach. This is they've shown that they were able to win number of times they just didn't maintain that lead you know it it may just come down to play calling it could just be a number of things but i'm sure that you know 
there is a small part of it that is them, you know, playing their heart out now because Quinn's gone. I don't doubt that they went out there and gave it 110%, you know, you know, that there was a boost there, but I don't think it's going to stop here. They're rolling into another easy week playing, you know, a middling Detroit team. I mean, and I, I use middling even kind of generously because Detroit's certainly not like a uh, contender for that North crown. So um, I think Atlanta, think oh, those three, so you think they're trading those three pieces? Who, Atlanta? Yeah. I don't think they're trading anybody. No, I think they're going to go no. through. No, I think they're going to try to compete. I don't think I don't think that New Orleans is that rock solid, like that rock solid down there. I mean, it's a competitive uh, division. It's probably the most competitive division in the NFC. I might even argue. Um, That's fair. Uh, but I, I I think that uh, right now in all of football, really in all of football. Yeah, I mean, you could you could potentially say that because it's so it's so much more balanced, you know, with the way Carolina's playing. I mean, all of those teams seem to be playing fairly consistently at a decent level with the exception of Atlanta. Um, but I think mm-hmm. Atlanta on the upswing, if the, if Atlanta takes the next four, you know, you can't tell me that you don't think that there's a chance that Carolina falters a little bit. Drew Brees has shown that he's human this season. So I think, uh, and not even that Arthur blank, Arthur blank's one of those owners that I think that he's, he's, He's about it. Like, I think he's always in kind of win now mode. And I, I don't think he, that, I think that's why he wasn't afraid to part ways with Dan Quinn right now because his expectation is that they win this season. Good stuff. So we're going to move on. Uh, here's another team that, when you look at them, they, I, some would say that they overachieve, some say that this is where they're supposed to be. And that is the Cleveland Browns, who went into Pittsburgh and got absolutely humiliated. Uh, Baker Mayfield got benched. <laughs> um, <laughs> he went 10 of 18 for 119 yards, one tub, and two picks. Biggest smoke, 38 to 7. Kareem Hunt, 40 yards uh, rushing. Uh, Hooper was their leading receiver with 50 yards. Odell Beckham only had four targets. Caught two balls for an a whopping twenty five yards, and on the Pittsburgh side, you had Ben Roethlisberger who, um, who who went fourteen of twenty two for one sixty two and one touchdown. James uh, Connor went uh, uh, twenty carries for one hundred one yard in one tub. Uh, Snell went six of six attempts for 17 yards in one tub. Claypool had a touchdown rushing. And so I'm going to take a pause here. And I, is did Cleveland come back down to earth? Now, I have heard all week long that Baker Mayfield isn't the guy. Baker Mayfield isn't the guy. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. All week I've heard it from Sunday all the way up to today. Every show is is trashing Baker Mayfield, but did they miss did they miss Nick Chubb that much? I don't think so. I don't know if it was Chubb. Um, I, I, I Baker played terrible, and I, I don't think he's as bad as he played. I'm not really a big fan of his, but I, I don't think he's you know played that bad in a while. Um, I, I was very amused by what the coach said afterwards. Um, which I feel like I haven't heard anything come out of Stefanski's mouth like the entire off season through now until this yes. statement where he said basically he benched Baker because 
I didn't want to see him get hit anymore. For first of all, if I'm chase, if I'm Keenum, I'm going to say f you, uh, right? Because apparently he oh, doesn't so care about seeing see him get hit, right? Get hit, right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know, that that to me is a if, you know wave the white flag if there ever was one. Here's another. Here's another question. The question I have is: I'm noticing these quarterbacks throwing for not just under 200 yards but way under 200 yards. But when you're looking at the rushing or the running attack, it's not astronomical. I mean, it's really not. So what is up with, what's up with these quarterbacks throwing for under 200 yards week after week after week? Now, this week in particular, we had... I've never seen – I don't think I've seen that many quarterbacks throw for under 200 yards in a very long time. I don't, I don't so know if there's like a gives? trend or whatever, but I think it's just like anything else. It's hard to find consistent quarterback play in the NFL. And um, given the current you know, state of the, the nation here with the pandemic and everything else, um, some of these teams are also suffering from key pieces, whether it be offensively or defensively that normally help out in a lot of ways. And and whether or not we necessarily see it directly, um, you know, sometimes that, that missed interception a season or that, you know, having to use that number two tackle or something of that nature really does off put everything. It, it, it prevents you from being able to go to your strengths and uh, forces you to lean on a, a run game that may not be so amazing. Um, a lot of these teams are making do with, with, they're, you know, with what they have, you know, like in a, a perfect example, I think is like David Montgomery in Chicago, not really a great run game in Chicago. They, they see, they struggle to get things established on a regular basis. And yet here they are, uh, what is it? Are they five and one now? Yeah. That's five and one. With that, that's what I'm saying. Well, I think you're totally on it as far as the personnel issues, but then I also, I think, you know, the fact that you have so many teams that are missing a day here, a day there, out of, you know, six days of practice from game to game, that's got to make a difference. You know, they're, they're used to having a routine where they do X, Y, and Z every day, and they build upon that up until game day. And then, you know, you're taking away from that a day or a two or, you know, a day and a half or, you know, whatever it works out to being uh, with all these different teams having to shut down their facility for COVID. You know, there's only so much you can do over a Zoom call, I feel like. Right, because you 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 have to build that rapport with the receivers and that training camp and those practices and that off season where you didn't or you weren't allowed to, so to speak, to get that rapport hinders and it hurts a lot of teams. And instead of chucking it down the field, you're throwing it to the running backs or you're throwing it five yards, six yards. And I, I and the other part is you know, it's a combination of this is where the NFL is moving to. It's moving to more efficient, get the ball in your receiver's hands and let them make a play as opposed to sitting back there. Teams aren't, teams aren't giving you def- – team defenses aren't giving you three and four seconds to just sit there and, and wait for the guy to run 30 yards down the field and you're chucking it all over the field. I think that 
it's just moving in that dink and dunk, more efficient. Uh, I think it's moving in that direction where you can, you can throw for 160 yards and you put up 30 points. That's what I, that's what I think it's, it's a combination of the two of those things. Yeah. Who wants to leave their quarterback sitting back there on a three and a five step drop, you know, to take, you know, countless hits, especially this year where offensive lines, I mean, I think, you know, basically every offensive line in the league, it feels like is suffering some kind of an injury or COVID setback. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you're a coach, if you're a quarterback, why is that going to be your game plan? Let me, let me have my quarterback stand back there and be a tackling dummy. It's, it's, it's exactly that. It's much more efficient to just go ahead and, and lean on a running game and lean on a short passing game and get the ball out of their hands, you know, very quickly before they can, you know, take those monstrous hits. So I, I think you're just seeing that trending that way. I agree. And so we move from a game where Baker Mayfield throws for under 120 yards to probably the best game of the week, which was Houston and Tennessee. Tennessee pulls out the overtime victory 42 to 36 at home against the Houston Texans. For Houston, Deshaun Watson goes 28 of 37 for 335 and four touchdowns with no interceptions. Um, the running game, it wasn't, you know, it, it was an okay running game. You know, uh, Johnson goes 19 for 57. Uh, Watson had a few runs here and there. Um, you had Will Fuller, who actually was, you know, the guy. Um, who leading in uh, in receiving yards uh, with 123 on the Tennessee side? Though <clears throat> they basically their offense basically exploded. Tannehill went 30 of 41 for 364, four tubs and a pick. Derrick Henry, who was probably the star of the night of that game, went 22 for 212 and two touchdowns, and actually had the game-winning rushing touchdown at the end. What they call the the, uh, they call it the king cat. That's what they call it because he took it from the wildcat position. They love to call him King Henry. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not sure of who this guy Ferkser is. However, he led the team in receptions for Tennessee, eight receptions for 113 yards and one touchdown. He's just and- he's the backup tight end because uh, Smith was hurt. And I think uh, you're just seeing uh... – Tennessee has a scheme and a, and a plan uh, to get the ball to the hands of the tight end. Um, that's always been something that Tannehill's done well. Um, and uh, kind of piggybacking from where we talked a week ago uh, about guys who could be uh, on the move at the end of the year uh, for head coaching jobs. I, I don't know how you can't be looking at seeing what he did last year with revamping that offense under Ryan Tannehill and now seeing them carry that right over into this year. Uh, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator there, um, you know, he's the name that no one talks about. I think part of it is because his name is Arthur Smith. Uh, it's just it's right. boring. He's, it sounds like it's, you know, just generic. Um, but I mean, you can't deny like what he's doing. Um, he's, he's getting production out of every single member of that team. He's got, you know, wide receivers that were, you know, good wide receivers looking like elite wide receivers. He's got backup tight ends that you've never heard of putting up monstrous numbers like, you know, true superstar tight ends like John Smith. Um, the guy just 
right now, whatever he's doing, it's working on every level. And I think that, you know, I think that that coaching staff as a whole has really just made the game simple for them to just go out there and just play. And they don't have to really, they've been put in the position to do what they do well all the time. And at five and oh, they are the team. I mean, they're tied with Pittsburgh as the only two undefeated teams out there. And it's like, who's better, Tennessee or Pittsburgh? Um, well, by the way, they play each other. They do. And so that's going to that, one of those won't be undefeated. Be, right. By the, if, if they play, you know, as they're both undefeated by that time, somebody's going to walk out that game defeated and one is going to be is going to continue to be undefeated. Um, I think it was a good game for Houston to just put up a bunch of points, a bunch of yards, and just ball out, even though they took the loss. Um, uh, I don't. They'll get a they'll get a win here and there, but I don't see them getting more than three wins. Um, and so, you know, they'll just have to look at whether or not. You know, the old the old guy back there who's, you know, 112, if you want him as your as your head coach, Romeo Cornell, or if you just want some guy that's going to pair up with Deshaun Watson and lead this offense to something great. Um, might so have, might have put together that that list right there. Wouldn't shock me to see Arthur Smith become the next head coach in Houston. Yeah, I, I. But see, when you're winning, I know you want to be a head coach somewhere. I really do, because if you're if you're a coordinator, um, and maybe I just put too much, maybe I just put too much into winning. But if you're on a winning franchise and you are a coordinator, how if you're a coordinator, Matt, how much are you willing to move to a team? That maybe really depends on what team I'm at. Look at a guy like Josh McDaniels uh, offered that job in Indy, and then quickly, uh, you know, declined it and stuck it out with Bill Belichick. And I believe they ended... well, except then, then declined it. But yeah, no, no, I know, accepted I know. it and had, then declined it. But yeah, that job and then turned around and decided he didn't want it anymore. So. Um, he he just he just wanted to make that he just wanted to make that clear because it's, yeah it's I just wanted Patriots. to point out that yeah, I mean I don't, a piece of I shit, don't think so. very, I mean I think McDaniel is <laughs> a hell of an offense coordinator but I mean um, all the same uh, if I'm an if I'm a coordinator somewhere and I'm on a winning team like I I'd, I'd rather win a Super Bowl as a coordinator than you know be the division champs as a head coach you know I mean and that's if you're able to turn that team around, and that's the other thing too. You have to you're, you're walking into what's essentially somebody else's mess, and you know it's it's. While I don't love the whole uh, coach as a GM sort of thing that they do, you can kind of understand why some of these guys want it, right? They come in there and they've <laughs> got to rebuild a team out of you know that was built out of somebody else's image, you know, at least a shadow of that, and then with pieces that another guy is going to give them. So. Um, well, I don't love it. I can kind of, yeah, I can kind of understand their position. Oh, for sure. That sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the the reason why coordinators take the jobs is because two things. One, the life 
the lifespan of a coordinator for the most part that has that moment to get promoted to be a head coach is usually pretty small. You know, when you think about the number of guys that, that kind of have a hot year or two and then get promoted to head coach versus the guys that have a hot year or two decide to pass it up. Do they really get that opportunity again, three, four years down the road? No, because usually you don't keep it going for three or four or five years down the road. You know, you've got to kind of strike while that iron's hot. Um, as a coordinator, I think if you want to get that head coaching job in, these guys all have giant egos because they're head coaches. Um, so I think that, you know, that's, that's the motivating factor there. Uh, Unless- but you're right about the GM for sure. <laughs> what, what guys, when they have success, usually is you see when they're finding that right combination of moving into a place where uh, the GM is someone who, you know, they picked that, you know, the GM picked that coach, you know, like I'll, I'll use the Dolphins as the example, I, you know, arrow up for the Dolphins because Greer and Flores came in together. That was the guy that Greer decided, this is who I want, not the situation we've had in years past over and over and over again, where the GM was thrust on the head coach or the head coach was thrust on the GM. And, you know, that now you got two, you know, uh, egos butting heads all the time who's, you know, running the show, that that doesn't work out too often. Um, so, yeah, I, I, but I could see a guy like him, and, and I could see, based on how well they've done in the draft, I could see someone from their personnel department probably getting a look at a GM spot because and I don't know who's on their roster, so I can't even, you know, begin to say that. Uh, but, you know, just based on usually when you see a team draft well, make good trades, you know, those kinds of things, that's usually where you start to see, okay, let's start to, mine from that talent uh for personnel and i and i think that you're depending on the team that you're on your iron will stay hot so eric the enemy his iron is going to be hot until he becomes a head coach as long as andy Reid is coaching that team um josh mcdaniel's iron will stay hot as long as he's with new england and you know they are winning um, yes, he might be with Belichick, but the second that you start losing, that's when the uh, that's when the iron starts to cool. Especially if you're with, if you come on with another hot coordinator, and he becomes the head coach, and you become that coordinator, your fire is probably as hot as as that coordinator or that that coordinator who's now a head coach is going to burn as a head coach. And we've seen that the the lifespan of these coaches are becoming very, very they're, – they're becoming a lot smaller than what they used to be in years past where they would just – you know, you would just ride it out until it got better. Unless you're Adam um, Gase. Unless you're Adam Gase. And, but see, Adam Gase is – see, Adam, for, for whatever reason – and I, I don't know the reason, but for whatever reason, he always stays about three years too long in everywhere he goes. He was at Miami three years too long. <laughs> He's at the Jets three years too long. And the next job, because he'll get another job. Yeah, and, I don't think he actually gets another job. He's got a, he's got a terrible <laughs> right. I, I'm actually shocked he made it out of Miami. I'm, and I don't mean out of the Dolphins. I mean, I'm shocked he made it out of the Miami game. I, I thought the Jets were going to say, uh, sorry, you're not welcome on the team flight. 
Well, I mean, I didn't think that he was going to get a job after Miami, but he picked up and got the Jets job right after. Um, I, I, and, and I mean, he did a good job getting that job in the in the most Adam Gase possible way. He got that job because the Jets screwed up in getting Matt Rule. You know, like that that they 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 hemmed and hawed and and you know tried to you know pussyfoot around it so much and uh, that finally you know he he left them at the altar and then they said oh wait now we we need a coach and you know he kind of got that job by uh you know by you know default now how he kept that job i have no idea because when you hire a coach under those circumstances to me i i was i, I think he kept the job because they just kept saying the same kind of things what happened in Miami for him is, well, it's not fair that the, the, the young quarterback got hurt. So we don't know what he can really do. Uh, it's not fair. We didn't, you know, he didn't have the, the general manager that he wanted. So we'll bring in this other guy and, and get rid of uh, uh, McCagnan and, and, you know, go ahead and see what they can do together. And, you know, kept kind of just building excuses for him. And, you know, now, now you have what you have there, which I, uh, the, the, there was there was a lot of good entertainment to be had watching Adam Gase on the sideline in that Dolphins game. So I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick up a couple more of these games. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to pick up a couple more of these games. Um, let's go with Tampa Bay and Green Bay. That was the game of the week. Everybody was anticipating this. Tom Brady versus uh, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay came out and they stuck to join up. Uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers, 16 of 35 for 160 yards. When would you... Well, it wasn't wasn't Rodgers versus Brady. It was Rodgers versus Dominic Sue and you know, APP and and yeah, you know, like that, that whole, you know, that Tampa Bay defense is, you know, first they've come on a lot stronger in the last two weeks, um, but they, they, you know, they're for real defense. And I think that was the part that uh, people didn't, you know, really accurately put those games up, you know, those teams up against each other is, you know, Aaron Rodgers had to go against the Tampa Bay defense. Green Bay's defense is just so-so. You know, I think that's, you know, made the difference. Now, I didn't, if you had told me Aaron Rodgers was going to, absolutely s the bed the way he did i i would not have thought that but then right because when have you seen aaron Rodgers throw for 160 yards for an entire game and no touchdown he and was just getting six. he was just getting beat up he was just getting murdered and i mean tom brady wasn't great either i mean he threw for when when you think of tom brady and aaron Rodgers, you don't think that combined they're going to throw for 326 yards no you would think that Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for 320 yards and Tom Brady's going to throw for at least 290 295 and they both I mean 160 and 166 yards um Green Bay loses 38 to 10 they couldn't run the ball they couldn't pass the ball Tampa Bay and I felt like you know, Tampa Bay had a really good running game. Um, I think this week was the week of the running games. If your running game was better, you won. Um, not in all the games, but in, in a lot of the games. 
Um, we had a um, Rob Gronkowski sighting. Um, he actually led the team in receptions and yards, um, which we all knew that he wasn't just coming in to block. We knew that part already. Um, and I, I look at this game and I go, is Tampa Bay that good or was Green Bay just off that day? What do you think? Can it be both? I think a little of both. Yeah. I mean, Tampa Tampa really came out and played well. And uh, it wasn't just, um, you know, the defense. Uh, they were very effective and efficient on offense, too. They were moving the football pretty well. Um, Chris Godwin got involved. I'm sure they're grateful to have him back. Um, you saw Cameron Brait bring a couple passes down. I mean, they really did move the football around well. And even, uh, what's his name, Ronald Jones in the backfield. Um, he, he from time to time, he always surprises me. Now, from, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I couldn't be bothered. But, like, uh, you know, for, when it comes to, like, you know, his play on the field, there are times where he really is kind of a uh, an unexpected star. He has the potential. He just he doesn't always play up to it. Agreed. So I, I see them meeting again, maybe in the playoffs. Maybe it's a different story. We'll we'll see. That dropped Green Bay to four and one, where Tampa Bay moves to four and two. Uh, we had. Two Monday night games uh, where Arizona just – Kyler Murray came home because he actually lives uh, – he used to live uh, prob- uh, maybe about 10 minutes from where I live, came into Dallas, and they basically smoked Dallas 38-10. to 10. Uh, Kyler Murray was not efficient at all. Um. Kenyon Drake uh, rushed 20 times for 164 in two tubs. Uh, Kyler Murray a good also chunk ran of that nine. game at the end in garbage time with like a 50 yeah, or 40 yard run too. But I mean, he, he, it, he, had, it, it, it he had a better game did. than he's had, but the, that, that, you know, that definitely improved his numbers. And I only know that because he's on my fantasy team. So I was like, Oh, where'd that come from? You know? So, right. But I think what that 38 points came just from, a lot of short fields, turnovers, and just Dallas playing putrid. They came in. Andy Dalton. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Andy Dalton is getting Dak Prescott paid. Vance Joseph just sent – it seemed like he sent the house every single down, and Dallas couldn't handle it. And – and I would take advantage of that. If I was a defensive coordinator and I had – and I looked across the field and their left tackle, their right tackle, and one of their guards are out, I'm, I'm sending the house every down. I'm sending the house every down, every time, I, every time. Because, you know, Andy is – he's brand new. He's not – he just now is getting the reps. And, you know, he still has to – you know, uh, build a rapport with these rece- with these receivers because in practices, Dak Prescott's getting the most of the reps. However, Ezekiel Elliott, if <laughs> he 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 looked bad, I don't know what his problem was last night, 
But I could tell you what his problem was. He's he he was pressing. He's got the yips. He he said, "I want to be the star in prime time with Dak Prescott out. I'm gonna I'm gonna carry the load. I'm gonna be the guy to have the big shoulders for this game." And he got exposed for a fumbling problem that he's had from time to time. And once they smelled that blood in the water, Vance Joseph did a fantastic job of just focusing on it. There was there was one play. I think it was his second fumble where you could see the linebacker wasn't even trying to make a play nope. on the man. He was just yep. going for the ball because he, you know, he, you could tell he's in his head with it. So yep. it's, it's going to be interesting to see if he can, if he can rebound and he can get that together. Otherwise you're going to see that happen by a lot of teams that they're just going to go right for it. Reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, Tiki Barber years ago before, you know, yep. when, when that, you know, famous thing where, you know, Coughlin, you know, fixed his fumbling problem. Um, but, uh, you know, reminds me of that as far as like, it, it just became so habitual for a, for a period of time that it just became like blood in the water for defenses. They just went right for it. Because you never, I guess for his first couple seasons, you, you very rarely saw Zeke put the ball on the ground. It just didn't happen. And this year, I think he has four fumbles already. At least four, because I remember uh, a few weeks ago he had two fumbles in a game back-to-back, and he has another two fumbles back-to-back. And it's just they're not even, like, like you said, they're not even looking to tackle. They know that ball is loose. They know that as soon as I punch at the ball, it's coming out. And he was a very big contributor to this loss. And when your defense is as bad as the Cowboys, you can't afford to put the ball in the turf and you're on your side of the field. You just can't do that. And this is why you get beat by 28 points. You look up real good and you're down 14 nothing. Okay, so you're, you know you're not going to get the ball. You know you're not going to run. You, you fumble. They score. They come back. Two plays later, you fumble again. And I'm watching the game like, oh, my gosh, this guy just fumbled again. And Tony Pollard came in, and he didn't do anything either. And, yes, they have a bunch of injuries. They have a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of injuries. And um, I just think that are those injuries catching up to them? Maybe. We'll have to see. You know, they're saying that Andy Dalton isn't that guy, but, you know, it's his first game. We'll have to see about that, too. But what Zeke did last night, yeah, that was his night. That he had, he, that was his night. And the last game that I'm going to get into is Kansas City and Buffalo. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I want to point out in this game where Kansas City won 26 17 is that. The Kansas City Chiefs ran for 225. They ran for as many yards as Patrick Mahomes threw for. And I've never seen that since Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. They ran all up and down the Buffalo Bills, who were supposed to have this great run defense, this decent or this this very good to, to great secondary. They were 
Um, Sean McDermott is known for having his stout defense where you can't get a lot of yards. You have to settle for field goals. And yes, they only put up 26 points, but you run the ball. It was, but you run the ball for two and a quarter because it was cold. It was wet. It was one of those games where you have to run the ball. And Edward Hilaire was like, I don't care if you got, I don't care who you just got in, 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 in off of waivers. I'm the number one running back, and he showed it. 26 carries, 161 yards. He definitely did it last. He definitely did it uh, last night. Um, what do you think? Oh, definitely. And, and, and I mean, I, I think they ran the ball so much, and the score was as quote unquote low as it was because that was the kind of game that it had to be. Uh, you're right about the weather. You're right about you know the field, all that. Um, and I think that they just recognized that. They said, here's the hot hand. The kids got it. Uh, the backup that they had was, you know, moving the ball well, too. And I think they also identified Buffalo for as good as their defense has been. The last two weeks, they've been without their star linebacker, Milano, who I think is kind of that driving force on that defense, especially in the run game. Um, you know, he's a he's a shown, you know, setter with with how he hits. Um, and he's a you know sideline to sideline kind of guy, um, and I think that they really miss him. Um, and I think he's supposed to be out for another week or two at least. Um, so you know Buffalo is in a little bit of a of a struggle spot. And and then I think also you can't deny the fact that Josh Allen just seems to fade when the lights come on bright. You, you know whether you're talking about the playoffs, whether you're talking about. <clears throat> The, you know, the, the primetime games, it, he just does not seem to show up. And I know his stats looked okay, um, but if no, you, his, you know. His stats were putrid. Well, I mean, as far as, like, running the ball and stuff like that. You know, like, I know, you know, they, they were giving him a lot of credit on the broadcast for, you know, look how how good of an improv he is and, and picking up first downs and that kind of thing. Um, but I just, uh, personally, watching him pass the eyeball test, it reminds me a lot of Josh Allen a year or two ago where you just say, I don't know, the guy, you know, yeah, he's got a lot of physical talent, but he just doesn't seem to put it together, and especially not uh, when the, the big games matter. Uh, it just seems to wilt under those primetime lights. Um, and, and conversely, <laughs> Kansas City just uh, – I don't, I don't think I remember them losing a, a primetime game anytime recently. And so I saved the three best games for last. Matt, I want to start off with you. Your New York Giants had the Washington, whatever you want to call them, the Washington football team come into your house, and they left with an L. And albeit they won by one point, but they left with an L. So how did the Giants look? against the Washington football team. The Washington the New York football giants against the Washington I mean, football team. I don't team. I think it's tough for that offense to look good in general. Um much less against, you know, a defense helmed by guys, you know, Landon Collins on that team, Jonathan Allen, uh there's the Ryan Kerrigan. There's there's a good amount of disruptors. There's a nice pass rush there. They've got some secondary talent. Um and the Giants really don't have a lot going for them, um, at least protection-wise on the offense. They've got enough pieces, in my opinion. I, I'm not saying that they've got the most, you know, dangerous, uh, you know, 
offense or uh, offensive pieces out there, but they've got enough that if that offensive line could hold up, they could potentially win their division. Um, all that being said, I don't know that the Giants really won that game so much as the Redskins lost it. You know, you had Riverboat Ron go for two at the end of the game. Um, he could have tied it up, and who knows what would have happened. Uh, you know, the, the Giants are known for ch- – you know, I mean, this defense chokes. They, they choke. Um, there's, there's just – there's not a lot to be proud of, I guess, in all reality, not to mention that this is all happening without Saquon Barkley, right? So I, I have a rough time looking at a team that I know, one, likely isn't going to be in the same, you know uh, – it's not going to be made up of the same pieces come next season – probably um, also not going to be in the uh, hopefully not being in, in this weird pandemic sort of no preseason sort of situation and uh, growing, growing in, in a direction that's positive for, uh, you know, the general fan base um, to see them doing it without some of their key pieces. I mean, it's, it's great to, again, piecemeal, but that seems to be the Dave Gettleman way, right? everything piecemeal, everything kind of slung together last minute, um, you know, shoddy is the word I would, I would attach to it. So during that game, I mean, you, you, you saw, I think, I feel like a lot of typical things. You saw Daniel Jones with some, uh, you know, questionable throws. You, you, you saw the offensive line kind of, really failed the guy, you know, failed failed Jones a few times. It just wasn't the most impressive outing, and I think it's going to be continue to be like that. I think there's a chance that they beat a mangled Eagles team this current week, but I don't think that the Giants have really given me any inspiring play on the field. I mean, I saw them in the locker room afterwards. They all seemed pretty pretty jazzed about it, but as a fan, I don't really – I don't see too much to uh, to be applauding. Now, that front four of Washington only sacked Danny Dimes. Yeah, but how much was he? How many times was he hurried? How many times was he pressured? You know, like it's not like he was. Yeah, sacks don't matter. It's just hurries and pressures. But but this is the same. But this is the same front four. Now I get it. I think that they're missing. You know, they're missing Chase Young. (laughs) But this is this. It is huge. But they still have. You know, guys on that along that front four, that even if Chase Young is not there, is still a top four, top three, five, three to five defensive line in the NFL. You know, they played Philly and they sacked Carson. Somehow, the Eagles though have a worse now uh, offensive line than the Giants, and I I know that that sounds like uh, again me giving them a you know cop out, but it's true. They really that that offensive line is embarrassingly porous. It's true. And and so they moved to one and five. Washington is now one and five. Dallas is two um, and three. And Dallas is <laughs> two and at, at a game yeah, behind I think first Dallas place. Was in first place. And uh and you're, yeah. they are. The they're East. in they're in first place. No, no, I'm saying with your oh, one no, no, win. No, well Right. You're in, no, we're a game, a game out of second out place because the Eagles place. still have that yeah. tie. They're one four and one. So, well, they're, yeah, there's um, a tiebreaker because right. they have, right. because they have that that tie at the end of their season. It technically puts them like a half game ahead of both Washington. Unless you beat, unless you beat, right, which would put the Giants into Thursday. first place because they'd have two divisional wins. They would be two and three. 
points. <laughs> I mean, like realistic. I, I want to. I want a number from you, Matt. Just, just as you know, a person tuned into that division more so. What do you think the division winner seven and nine record is going to be? That's what I was going to say. Six and ten, even. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I believe they're going to get there. Yeah, I was. I was going to say six and ten. ten, I think is. If you put a gun to my head, I would say probably six and ten. For that, I remember years ago, like uh, that happened in this uh, with Seattle. They made the playoffs with a seven and nine record. I think it was. Um, It happens from time to time, and it's certainly not like uh, something you want to. Now, and this is this is going to be me being critical of the Eagle of Eagles fans. Eagles fans don't care if they win a division at. Three and thirteen because everybody else either forfeited or whatever whatever could possibly happen to lead you to a situation where three right. and thirteen won your division. They don't care. They'll celebrate that shit till they're blue in the face. I I see no. Yeah. Oh, do yeah. With a parade. Not even that. With a with couple, of, with a a couple of assault charges too against right. anybody who thinks differently. Right. In that blue shirt. <laughs> which did happen. Which did happen, by the way. During the Eagles game, yeah, you know, I it, saw was, that. it was it, it's it's viral. The guy comes all he comes down at least yeah, just to eight throw to hands. ten rows, and they just they just to throw hands. But you know, my and favorite like, part of that video is, God, and, and we Eagles are kind of stirring. It's Eagles trashing here, and I I don't want to do too much of that. I know how Aaron feels, but uh, the thing the thing that cracks me up, my favorite part <laughs> of that whole video is that. The Eagles are losing, right? Like, that's potentially what's happening. They're going down. They're fighting a guy who's having too much of a good time because he's a Ravens fan. And you just hear some guy in the background after the fight, yeah, birds. <laughs> like, you, yeah. Right. I knew that was going to be a favorite part. Yeah, like, right. You can't win, so that's it. That's that's exactly where the, uh, the attention goes. But that's that's the 200 right. section i feel in maybe a lot of stadiums maybe philadelphia a little bit more prevalent but uh but yeah if the giants are able to uh to you know to turn around and and take the lead on the division i i honestly don't think it's very long before it's surrendered to somebody else i mean this is this is one of those divisions where i wouldn't be surprised if first place changes hands six seven times a season all right, Ben, you're up, and I know you've been chomping at the bit to talk about this game. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, New I'm York. happy. Good. New York comes into Miami, and they leave without scoring any points. Tua finally comes in. Um, I mean, he he scores, you know, he's – He's two of two, but that doesn't matter. The big thing is, is that he's starting nine yards. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Two of two for nine <laughs> yards. For nine yards, you know. <laughs> I, I all I heard was perfect completion record. That's all I heard. Right. Um, no, no. In all seriousness, it, it was it was an amazing game to watch because I don't think I've ever seen a team play worse, especially on offense. Um and be 24 to nothing. I, I don't think like, I've ever seen that in my life. And it's not like we turned the ball over, you know, a ton of times to, to get the ball back. You know, our defense played well, but it's not like that, you know, they scored three times on defense or something. The, the offense moved the ball and scored okay, but it just, again, the eyeball test kind of thing. Fitzpatrick didn't look great. That's why people talking about right now, it doesn't make any sense to go to Tua and all that. They're not watching the game. They're looking at the stat line and they're they're buying the – you know, conversation from people talking. If you're watching the games, and I like Fitzpatrick just fine, 
he has not looked like the reason they're winning these past two games, in spite of the fact that they won them big. He's not the reason for that, or certainly not the driving force behind that, certainly in this last game. he's In this game, he threw two picks. One of them was as bad a Fitzpatrick pick as, as you know, you could see. Um, so I'm not surprised they made the move and they've got it combined with the, the bye week, which I think was always kind of the plan. Um, so, you know, the fact that the bye week moved up a little bit, I think it makes sense. Um, as far as what you saw from the game to be encouraged about, if you're a Dolphins fan, again, that defense with two shutdown corners and Jones and Howard, they are a different defense and they are playing exactly how they're designed to play. And they absolutely destroyed a, a terrible Jets offense. Um, and, and that was wonderful to see as a Dolphins fan because I hate the Jets. It's in my blood. Um, but again, if you, I, I don't think that we looked like world beaters out there. I'll, I'll take the win any day of the week and I'll certainly take a shutout win because that's always fun. Um, but it, it was about as bad a win for a 24 to nothing win as you could get. Um, and what was great was watching Adam Gase just look so miserable and so just broken and defeated. Uh, he had a, a back and forth with Greg Williams at one point where it's a really good thing that they're both wearing masks because you couldn't read the lips, but you know, what you could read from the body language and, and, you know, how much jawing was going on. There is uh, th- th- what, what I can't wait for is that thing's going to come to blows and that'll be amusing. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like I said before, I don't know how Gase, I don't know how they let him onto the team plane to let him come back. I, I, I can't imagine what they're thinking as far as sticking it out with him. Um, but from a Dolphins perspective, it's, it's arrow up. Um, they've got good, games coming up against not world beater teams, but solid teams and uh, the Rams and the chargers. So good measuring stick. See, you know, where this team is at. You're at 500 game out of first place in your division. Um, and, a, and a division that's not quite as uh, poor and, and, and constructed um, as, you know, some other divisions, like we were talking about the NFC East. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy as a Dolphins fan. I'm happy Tua got in. I'm happy. They didn't just have him hand the ball. They actually did have him pass, even though it's just two passes and garbage time like that. Just get the kid a couple reps, you know, let him feel comfortable. He, he seemed to feel comfortable, seemed to move. Okay. They talked about Chan Gailey specifically called a bootleg, you know, cause they wanted to give him the confidence of being able to move, you know, see that he could push off and, you know, all those kind of things. So right. that was all good. You know, it's it's. Uh, I'm excited for two weeks from now to see what's there. Um, not cashing our, our chips in to say we're going to the Super Bowl by any means, but uh, arrow up. And so I bring up the rear, and I had probably I I want to say it was probably the most putrid game on on Sunday, only because of the score and how the teams played. Both teams played absolutely horrendous. So I have the Denver Broncos and New England Patriots game. We lost our second straight. Um, We picked 
the we picked at least the Patriots to win by at least eight or nine points. They lose by six. Um, and Cam Cam didn't do anything to to help the team. Um, he was off target. He threw two picks. He couldn't get going in terms of throwing the football. Um, they couldn't get going in terms of running the football. Damian Harris only had six carries, so they really they really didn't do too much of anything on offense. On defense, they did pick Drew Locke. At least uh, they they picked him twice, which you're probably going to do that every game anyway. That's a given. You're probably going to there's a there's a few quarterbacks in this league where you'll probably get two picks from them every single game. Drew Locke is one of them, and so I would name I would name some other quarterbacks, but then I'd be bashing, and I really don't want to do that. So, um. Our leading receiver was a running back, um, by far. Um, and we just looked. I, I I didn't think that the and I don't want to give any excuses because you know we've been off for two weeks, but I really think that one practice in two weeks uh, basically did us in. Even though it was the Denver Broncos, you're still lining up against an NFL team. Some teams, like the Tennessee Titans, who just had one practice uh, in their two weeks, were able to come out and put up 42 points. But we don't have that firepower to put up 42 points. We just don't have it. And, um, you know, we just got to go back to the drawing board and see if we can try to get another win now, do you think, next Kevin, week. Do you think that if you got uh, Cam out there, maybe a pair of pumps? He would throw the ball a little bit better. <laughs> I think that if he if he came out in a in a blonde wig, you're a bad person. Uh, some some diapers. Yeah, do you think do you, uh, do, you, do you think Cam Newton has a I hat think guy, he, or do you think he's robbing an elderly jazz musician every Sunday? <laughs> what uh, uh, you mean? You mean the 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 elderly? That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like he's hitting church. church he's hitting church, he's and then he's, he's getting right on the bus. An Atlanta church. <laughs> and, and just robbing people at church and virtual church, really, and just taking their hats. I'm waiting for him to show up. You going know, to and, the game. Not, not trying to do anything football, just to poke more fun at Cam, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember back back in the day where like women oh, would have like those little sort of hats pinned to their head, and then there'd be like a, a decorative fake bird in there or something. I'm waiting for him to show up with something like that, with that with that crazy yeah. hair of his, yeah. and then just like a tiny little braid pinned <laughs> to the side with a with a taxidermied. A canary or some nonsense. He's uh, he's something else, man. For a guy who really um, seemed offended when Calvin Benjamin criticized him about his passing ability or his quarterback ability, when uh, you know people qu- questioned why he hadn't been signed and how uh, they thought that the Patriots essentially stole money or were, were kind of you know not paying him fairly. But does Cam deserve a little bit more money? Sure, maybe just based on like his pedigree, I guess a little bit. But I think right now the Patriots are getting what they're paying no. for, and Cam's getting exactly no. what he deserves. No, he doesn't deserve any more money. No, and when we talked about you know 
Cam getting, you know, additional money come next year. And I said, he'll get quote unquote quarterback money. He'll get in the twenties because that's what he deserves. That's what he'll be worth. But coming out of this offense at the end of the year, he won't be putting up numbers to where he says, I need 30. No, he won't. He won't, he won't, he won't deserve 30. He won't be worth 30. He'll be worth around, he'll be worth in the twenties. And that's basically what, you know, New England would be willing to pay him. Now, I mean, man, it's can, it's can I, crazy. Can I ask you a question from this game? Sure. What, so, first thing, I don't – like, why didn't they run Harris? Because like, I didn't get to watch a lot of the game, but I don't get why he only got six carries. Michelle was out. It's not like they had another running back that was – you know, the hot hand kind of thing. Why were they got like, it was only a 12 point game, you know, the 12 to 18. So it's not like it was like, Oh, the game got away from them. So they couldn't establish the run. What happened with the running game in that game? They played from behind. Um, they couldn't convert third day. They couldn't sustain yeah, drive from behind by, by and, 10 points. I mean, that's not insurmountable. Yes. But when, when you're out there, throwing picks um, when you're out there and you can't move the football and you're getting off every third down and you're not really converting, you know, you're not really converting third downs. You, you can't just at some point for them, they have to, they have to run the ball with a lead. They can't run from behind. They, they just can't, they just don't have, they don't have the the ability to run the ball from behind. They just don't. They don't have it. Do you think anybody's thought about telling Cam can't. that he hasn't been playing very Superman like, and seeing if that helps? Oh, he's uh, black, he Black, black Panther, Panther now. That's kind of shitty that the guy died, and the first thing Cam well, does I mean, is jump what? into his nickname. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Pretty much what happened. He probably jumped jump into his skirt too if he had the chance. Oh my gosh! And, and my, my other question from this game again, just because I, I didn't get to watch a ton of it, I, I've asked this question in weeks past: Is there any difference in the Denver Broncos quarterbacks, whether it's Locke, Rippin, or the other guy? I can't remember his name now. Um, but is is there any difference in the quality of quarterbacking that's happening no. there? Because when I see it, no, it doesn't look like it's any different, no matter who's in there. But in his defense, though, you know, he doesn't have all of his weapons, right? Well, I get that. I'm so just saying, like, what... like, what's the reason that Drew Locke is your guy versus Rippon or, like I say, I can't remember the other guy's name now. Um, well, he's clearly, he's clearly better than Rippon and the other guy. He truly is, um, which, makes, which angers me even more when you think about what uh, Denver had in terms of injuries. I mean, we let we we did have injuries too, mm-hmm. um, not significant injuries. Well, they were significant, but not in terms of significant in terms of numbers. Um, we did have Shaq Mason out. He's probably our best guard. Um, I mean, from that rushing perspective out. that we were talking about, I'm just looking up the numbers right now. They had 25 total rushes, but of that, 10 of those were Cam Newton. From you yeah. watching the game. Were those designed runs by Cam Newton for the most part, or were those broken Cam Newton? I don't know what to do. I'm just running. 
some of them were were design runs. A lot of them were I got to get out of here. Okay. So yeah, and... it, just, it just looks to me like they abandoned the run. You know, in a, in a against a you know middle of the road Denver defense in a game that was close. And here's how it, it would doesn't go. make sense. It would go. You would, he would drop back. He would give it to because you know what happens is they they start one or two series with the top running back, then they go to Burkhead, then they go to the third guy James White, then they'll go back and they'll just cycle those three. Well, what would happen is is that he would. Burkhead would get one yard, and then Cam would drop back to to try to to try to get at least six or seven yards and a pass, and he would get sacked for nine yards. Now you can't run the ball. Now you're sitting at third and nineteen, third and eighteen. Now you have to throw the ball. Now yeah. you're getting off the field. And so offensively, they just every time that they tried to get two steps forward, they took three steps back. So we're gonna move. We're gonna move forward to a new segment. Um, we're this segment is, I think it's a good spot to start this segment here. Um, in this week, um, I I pretty much have pulled five teams uh, in the NFL, and we're going to rank the fans' panic meter, and. How we're going to do this is we're going to do it from a scale of 1 to 10. And it's going to be 1 through 4 says, eh, we're not really in a big panic, but, you know, we're a little nervous. A little nervous of how the team has been playing the past couple weeks. 5 through 8 says, hey, I am in panic mode right now because I'm not used to this with this team. I'm not used to... um, them them getting beat by like like this this is this is strange this is weird so you're in panic nine to ten says look i'm done i i there's nothing else for us to do we're packing it up and we're going home now here's the caveat to this the caveat to this is i am not taking any of the bottom really bottom feeding teams so jacksonville cincinnati jets yeah we're we're more looking at those teams floating around the middle Right around in the middle, right? And I may pull, you know, I may pull a team that's, you know, that you would think is a good team or should be a good team, and they're kind of they're kind of tanking. The first team that I'm going to take is going to be the New England Patriots. I'm going to start there. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm at, about a five. I'm at a five because they're two and three. We didn't think as as a as a or me being a fan, I didn't think that the New England Patriots were going to be, you know, a ten and six, eleven and five, twelve and fourteen. But the way that they're playing puts panic in me because, because they're not winning the way they used to be winning. I'm sure you've gotten conditioned to a certain level of success. At least. It's not just that. It's it's not that. Because when Tom Brady left and the receivers started to decline, you knew that there was going to be a change. And one of the things that I think we always had, a, our, our stamp was good defense, run the football, run the football, good defense. And then the passing game will open up. 
And there are some games where we did run the football, but there are some games where we look at it and we just go like Sunday's game. We should have, we should have ran the ball down the throats of the Denver Broncos and we couldn't do it. And, you know, right now we're sitting at third place and I'm not in a high panic mode, but I am in a panic mode in that we may not make it to eight and eight. And, I felt like we were better than an 8-8 eight and eight team. I felt like we were pretty much a 9-7 and seven team, maybe, if that. Um, but I don't – if we continue to make the silly mistakes and beat ourselves, and that is something that we haven't – I haven't seen that being done in 20 years where we consistently are beating ourselves, that we may be 6-10, and 7-9. That's – that, that – that puts me in the. That puts me in panic. Mode. Welcome to the rest of the league. <laughs> I, I think that they are very much one of those teams that's in that eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven swing. There's, you know, they could be anywhere in between there. Probably not below there. Probably not above there. It's just going to be based on, you know, how a couple of things break, injuries, scheduling, some lucky here and there. What what I saw as an outside observer. Um, is this like this Broncos game, for example, this is a game that usually, you know, the Patriots could put up this kind of game in previous years, but they just always find a way to squeak out that win. Even, even if it wasn't a good win, especially at the beginning of the season, these are the kind of games you'd say like, ah, they just, they, they find a way to get that final field goal to, you know, to, to kick it to, you know, to win it. And, and they, they just don't have that, you know, whether it's Brady or whether it's the wide receivers or a combination of both, they just don't have that magic the same way uh, under Cam Newton. Um, and uh, so I, I agree with your assessment for panic. I, I would probably think it's actually a little closer to a six or a seven. And only because if I was a Patriots fan right now, I would just be looking at it and saying, are we arrow up or are we arrow down? Is Miami's arrow up or is Miami's arrow down? Is Buffalo's arrow up or is Buffalo's arrow down? Um, and and I don't. I think amongst those three yeah, teams, you you're their, the only one that right now is probably pointing down. You look at the Patriots. The other ones are either be very in the middle I, or I, going up. I despise the Patriots. Um, but if you look at their next six games, their three of the next six, they play teams that are uh, 500 or less or, or under record wise. Yeah, for sure. That's what I was about. I was about to say the same thing. I was going to say the 49ers are going to be a big measuring stick for them because they should beat them up the same way as other teams that beat them don't. up. So like even though the and 49ers they can't saying, like, find I, a way I, to do I, I that. I don't know that they're going to beat them up per se. I think it's a very winnable game, especially the way their defense plays. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Niners aren't exactly the most uh, healthy team right now. But some winnable games that they have ahead of them, um, even if you count the Bills game as a loss, the right. Jets are obviously a W. The Texans should be a W. The Cardinals should be a W. And if they can just take one of those yeah. other three games, right there, four and two over the next six weeks, puts them in a very healthy position where the AFC East is concerned, especially when you consider – and I understand where you're coming from saying that the, the Bills' arrow is up. I'm not ready to quit on the Bills yet. I am – starting to think that there's uh, quite a few more like uh, chinks in Josh Allen's armor, if you will. Um, I don't know that I think that he is that, not that he doesn't, he doesn't have the potential Agreed. to go high and far. I just don't know. That I think that it's right now. No, I think Buffalo is like arrow middle. Like I think they're, they're right on the precipice of, 
you know, either, you know, pushing down or pushing up. Um, they're, they're kind of stuck in neutral. Um, I, I don't know that I agree with your assessment of looking at those games. If you ask me right now, and again, that's going to be four weeks from now. So a lot can change in those four weeks, but I don't know really, that I'm giving the Texans, them a win I against mean, the Texans. I, I, think, and the I think the Texans is a very winnable game. And I, I watched the Texans fight a very much better team in Tennessee and, and but divisional, you know, you know, not quit. You know that they're. I'm not. I'm not but, saying you're wrong a, in the way that's that that's a, it's divisional, but it's is a much harder opponent. But again, but here's the other part: the, the division is division. I mean, the Redskins beat the Eagles. I mean, do do you yeah. think the Redskins? I'm sorry, not the Redskins. The football, the Washington that's football fair. team beat the Eagles. Do you think that 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 team is actually better than the Eagles? Because I don't. I think that they're better in some some situations, but I really don't think that they're a better team overall. I mean, that, that that's that's fair. Like I say, I'm just saying, like where you just looked at the rest of those teams. I agree with you about the Jets, obviously, and, you know, Bills are kind of a pick em, again, because division side. Ravens, I think, are a loss. Uh, but I, I would not, as a Patriots fan, if I'm looking at it, I well, would I'm not, not say that's that a win, a win versus, versus the Texans, saying, that's my, a win my, versus my the Cardinals. Six games is and I think if the Jets they, are a win, not a, the Niners are likely a win, and so are the, uh, the Texans. Uh, if they can take the Cardinals game, or uh, I forget who the other uh, who the the fifth one was. I know I I think the Ravens are a loss, regardless. But if they can take four of those six games, which I think is a very very reasonable yeah. expectation, especially given Bill Belichick's coaching prowess, um, they're in a, they're in a very right there that puts them in a nice competitive spot um, in the AFC East. Where and no offense to any team because all the teams in the AFC East who aren't named the Jets are more complete than my Giants. But every one of those teams has a glaring flaw, whether it be quarterback placement or right. So I think I think that's that in itself. Oh, no, I, I fa- totally agree. Uh, yeah. You know, in their favor, just because they've and again, no offense, they've been there before recently, you know, like they're. They, they know what they're doing when they get down the stretch. They, Bill Belichick, he, I mean, he's been doing it for so long, you have to think it's, it's second nature for him. That's fair, except what I'm watching on, uh, you know, seeing well, it I, week not, in and week out wrong. right now, I'm not seeing that same Patriots team. So they, they, might, they might find it, but well, no, I don't know that I'm banking on that. That's what I'm saying. Like, this just doesn't look like the same team I, I might, I might that you used to be able to say. Kevin's, Kevin's uh, side with it being around a five just because of the upcoming games, just because that defense is still very stout. Um, and because they can get that running game going once they, uh, you know, once they really commit to it. So, I, I mean, it, I would, I would like to see like, you know, if they come out and they don't beat the 49ers. Sure, bro. Like, you know, they come out in the 49ers late, like put, put them down by, you know, 10 points by two possessions, something like that. Sure. Let's, let's, let's bump it from five to seven. I think that's reason, reason to be concerned, but right now I'm not convinced that going into this, uh, you know, the, the next six games or so, whatever you want to call it, that there's, that it's that much time. It's still so early in the season. You know what I'm saying? There's still 10 games. That's fair. That's fair. All right. We're going to move. Um, Let's go with someone who may have a bigger panic meter. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Where's your panic meter? I mean, the panic meter's high with the exception of the fact that, you know, again, we talked about it before, that division is just 
so winnable at that you know six and ten you know it's it's it's, it's almost ten it's it's Ooh. almost hard to to accurately judge it now the thing is is it a winning season like do you, like if you're a cowboys fan are you happy if you win the division go into the the playoffs and get smoked by the you know seahawks is that is Obviously. that a good thing i don't you know i wouldn't look at that as being very good and, and that's the thing is i don't look at any of these nfc east teams as being like there's years where you just look at like a tough division or even sometimes a bad division. Uh, but like the team is just like, yeah, but they're just, they're scrappy and they can hang around. And if they just get a couple lucky breaks, they can give anybody a game. I don't look at anyone in that NFC East division and say, if you put them up against any other team, that's likely to make the playoffs. I don't give them a puncher's chance. You know, they, they, they look like they're just grossly overmatched. And I, I I'm sorry, but, you know, I don't think you're disagreeing no. with me there either, Matt. So, um, you know, it's Dallas Cowboys, I think, are in a, a panic in a conventional sense. What's not yeah, a I, panic actually, is you could be so. absolutely terrible and still make the playoffs. So what's your so what's your number? What is your number? Where is your number? Is it high like eight, seven, eight? Not not counting the fact that the division. Right. You know, you could win that. I would put it pretty high. I'd put it at about. Do I think that the that it's time to panic as a Cowboys fan Um, for the season? No, I mean, I think I think everyone in this in the in the NFC East knows that they are the poster child for mediocrity right now, and that anybody can walk away with this, uh, you know, this paper crown. Um, I think going forward, the future of the franchise. I think there's a lot to be concerned with. You know, the cost of the defense that isn't performing as an expensive defense. You have that front line that isn't really playing like the greatest offensive line. Uh, you have a couple of contracts coming due. You have the whole thing with, with Dak Prescott. I think there's a lot of concern in that regard. And that's where I, I think Ben's been hit the nail on the head. It is an eight. I mean, whether or not any – it doesn't really matter who wins the division. In all, in all fairness – in, in due deference to all of the teams in the NFC East, it doesn't matter which one of these teams walks away with that uh, that division crown because you're getting knocked off in the first round of the playoffs. And that's how it's going to be. Like there's, there's not enough talent on any of these football teams on either side of the football to say these guys are going the distance. And when you look at Dallas, who's supposed to be the perennial, you know, uh, paper champ, if you will, you know, like the, the, the folks everybody was saying on paper, the, the, these look like the guys. Um that's got to be even more concerning because they were supposed to be far and away the, the favorite and, and they're going to be rolling out of this mediocre season into next season with a lot of question marks. And right there, I mean, I think Ben, like I said, just go back to it. Ben's pretty much hit the nail on the head. And, and honestly, not even just on the personnel side, you know, I think you're right about the roster and, and contracts and stuff. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm also worried and you know, it's a little premature for this, but also it's Dallas. So, heats up there pretty fast. I'm, I'm worried about that coaching staff. You know, right now, Mike Nolan looks like, you know, does not look like he is a real defensive coordinator in the league. Um, you know, just looks like it's, it's passed him by and he's just not bringing anything to the table. Um, and McCarthy looks like he's got a lot of the same McCarthy problems that he always had. Uh, the difference is he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers to bail him out. Um, and, 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 you know, then the fact that he's ultimately going to be a puppet of, of Jerry Jones, I, I don't know that I'm looking at that and saying, oh, I have confidence that they can figure out a way to make this turn into something successful. 
So I put them at a. It's it's kind of weird. So I put them at a four for the division. Actually, I put them at a three at the division, and I put them at about a five-ish, almost a six outside of the division. Now, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan, but let me explain why I put them so low. I put them low for four because right now they're in first place, and as long as as long as you know the, the Eagles continue to have injuries and they continue to lose, it's Dallas's division to win. Now, from a divisional standpoint, that's your goal. Your goal is to win the division, so that at some point, you know the division. The division winners get a home game, a home playoff game. And then after that, you know, anything could happen. I put them at a five-ish, for a five-ish, almost a six in terms of panic outside of the division because they're beating themselves. And last night's game showed me that they're just beating themselves. Ezekiel Elliott, two, two fumbles back-to-back. Um, Andy Dalton in for Dak, who's now out for the season. They have injuries across the board. Um, you know, they're, they're Jerry Jones made a really he did not make a sound decision hiring Mike McCarthy as their uh, well, he kind of did because and if you saw the moves that he made. In in the in free agency and in the draft, he went offense, 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 offense. It's not a lot of defense where their defense was poor, especially in the secondary. They let instead of giving Byron Jones that money so that he could stay and he could be at least a, 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 a some type of a uh, a shore up for their secondary, they let him walk and they let him walk over to Miami. Um. You know, they, they picked up C.D. Lamb, yes, but they have, no, uh, they have no depth when it comes to their offensive line. They have no depth when it comes to their, uh, their linebackers. They have no depth when it comes to their secondary. And there was, a lot of pl- there was a lot of players on the board that they could have picked up that they decided, nah, I'm not going to pick them up. C.D. Lamb is sitting there, so I'm just going to grab him. And so... They made a lot of – this is probably the draft where you say they hit a home run with CeeDee Lamb, but they kind of missed because they really didn't shore up the places where they were getting old and there were injuries. If there were injuries to happen, they really didn't have anybody to back them up. So people in Green Bay are happy. They're like, see, we told you. You thought it was Aaron Rodgers that made our team look so bad. And I think, and I think, yes, McCarthy doesn't give a crap, but he is the offensive version of Buddy Ryan, whereas he's, he's all offense. And when you look at that offense, can they put up 40 points every day, every Sunday? Of course they can. Can they give up 40 points every Sunday? Of course they Mm -hmm. can. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to disagree with you there under Dak Prescott. Of course they can. Under Andy Dalton, I have no confidence they're putting up 40 points a game. 
Well, again, we only we only had a small <laughs> I bet you it's more than most uh, Cowboys Dalton fans can stomach at quarterback with the Dallas Cowboys. That's fair, but I've got what twelve years of, and I've got what uh, eight years of of sample size to look at Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. Yes, but his last look at his offense the last three to four years in 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 Cincinnati it was bad. Their offensive line was horrible. Their running backs, they couldn't keep a, a, a stable running back in. Their wide receivers couldn't keep a good, couldn't keep a wide receiver core in. They had a really good tight end. But he was always hurt. And so when he did have a nice complement of receivers, a good offensive line, you know, uh, a decent running back, he could, he could handle the business. But even then he wasn't a 40 point, you know, kind of player. He was, he was you know, He's a good game managing quarterback when he is at his best. And but that Dallas, but that put put up any Cincinnati offense with when Andy Dalton was in Cincinnati. Put up any Cincinnati offense. You telling me that it compares to the Dallas offense today? It doesn't. Well, there not, was no skill position for skill position, team. but one offensive line maybe yes, and two. Again, I'm just saying, if you're telling me they got Dak Prescott back there, I'd say, yeah, no, they've got a shot at being able to come back, giving up 21 points for that defense and putting up 40 points to come back and win a game. I have very little to no faith that Andy Dalton is consistently going to be able to put up 40 points. So uh, my panic meter is very high because that's how that team is constructed. Mike McCarthy said, I've done that before. I've had terrible defenses and Aaron Rodgers has thrown me 40 points a game, and that's fine. Dak Prescott, I'll, I'll believe, could do that. Andy Dalton, I don't believe, can do that at all. All right, so we're going to move to a, the same – we're going to stay in the same division, and you know which team I'm coming to. You know exactly which team I'm coming to. It's not the Washington football Giants, and it is not the New York football – it's not the Washington football team, and it's not the New York football Giants. It is the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. I, I listen. I, I mean, I at some point, we're just pistol whipping a blind kid here. Right? You know, just. I mean, I'll just put it out there. I think they've <laughs> got to be in that seven to eight, maybe even higher, the eight to nine area. And this isn't me being like overly critical. It's just they've got an aging team. Um, I think we've talked about it before. I think I believe they're like the second oldest team in the league right now. That offensive line isn't just old; it's banged up. They're spread out with money too far. They've got. Uh, that kid Falcom, he seems like he's a pretty uh, a pretty decent receiver. I mean, obviously that's something to hold on to. That's a little feather in your cap. Um, and you have uh, the Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts sort of situation. I feel like the rest of it is kind of a teardown. I, they've really got to figure out what they're doing and what direction they're going in. The run game isn't really going to be, uh, in my opinion, you're not going to get a lot of miles out of Miles Sanders. Um, yeah, he is hurt. And, you know, again, I mean, and don't get me wrong, so is Saquon Barkley, but I just don't think that you're going to build, you know, your run game or, you know, uh, using Saquon Barkley's uh, college backup as a. Uh... No, no, and I know, but but what I'm simply saying is, it's just, well, yeah, you, you, you can't so compare Miles Sanders to Saquon Barkley. I'm not saying get rid of Miles Sanders, but I'm saying yeah. like 
I feel like they need to reinforce that run game or at least find a tandem piece. There's wide receivers out there not named Fulcrum who all have to go. Alshon Jeffrey should go. Deshaun Jackson needs to hang it up. I mean, you go, you go on and you can just keep going deeper and deeper. Zach Ertz is uh, is typically their leading receiver, and even he's hurt right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's he's starting to not get up there in age, but I'm saying you're, the, you're later 20s. You look at a guy like Gronk, I mean, you're going to start seeing those back injuries as next. No, he's getting up there, and the, the the injuries are piling up. And it was I was shocked. There was you know a lot of conversation about him being on the trade block this off season, right? And I thought that made a ton of sense for them. They have a young, emerging tight yeah, end in Goddard that you're basically stunting his you know potential by keeping Ertz out there. He is Ertz is him. great, but that's why like you trade him now when you can yep. get oh, real value for 100%. him so I think, and yeah, you like can move him before his it's body like breaks down Eagles, in front of you, not um, after. There's also questions now, too, with coaching. Uh, there's people that are even questioning the wisdom of having um, Hurts and yeah. Wentz out there at the same time just because of the chance that they can both get hurt behind that porous O-line. Um, I've seen, you know, not that Facebook is any sort of authority on the news, but I – Having lived in that area and that footprint down there outside Philly, I have uh, quite a bit of, you know, Eagles fan friends and I see them too demanding accountability, essentially asserting they, they think someone needs to be fired um, as a, as a football fan who's recently been in that situation and still sort of is with where Dave Gettleman's concerned. I know, I understand that when you're looking at a coach who initially showed you flashes of greatness, you know, which is what I had with Ben McAdoo, all of a sudden the, the Giants were putting up 35, 40 points a game and then failing to close them out in the last 75 seconds. You, you have the Eagles here just struggling to even get traction, struggling to even make do with their big money quarterback with, with all of these guys that are former pro bowlers on that line. And, um, you know, it certainly didn't help that they let Malcolm Jenkins walk and then gave injured Jason Peters all that extra money. So I don't know. I just think I just think for the Eagles that there's been a lot of missteps through the way that they acquired and maintained <laughs> talent, and the way that they you know let people walk. And I think the uh, the fan base has had enough. I want to thank everyone for joining us on the Pigskin Pandemic Podcast. We are available now on Anchor, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you usually find your favorite podcasts. Please tell your friends. Leave us any comments you have about the show, and a five star rating would be great. Keep an eye out for our Facebook page, which will be coming soon. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, stay safe out there and vote. Okay, everyone, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget to join us next week as we hear more of the guys' opinions as they talk about the news on the NFL. Goodbye.